Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome to JBJS OrthoCore. Listen as members of the Ortho community, residents, surgeons, educators, staff, and patients share their stories about the experiences and people most important in their lives and the lessons they learned along the way. OrthoCore is an audio archive inspired by StoryCorps and independently organized by the Journal of Bone and Joint Surgery. Well, this is uh, Mark Swinkowski, the editor of JBJS, and I'm here with a special guest, uh, Dr. Rick Matson, uh, Chairman Emeritus at the University of Washington Department of Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. And uh, I will just point out to the audience, uh, my chief, uh, when I was a uh, resident, as well as a faculty member there. And what we're really interested in speaking with Dr. Matson about is his relationship with uh, Dr. Charles Rockwood, who we just lost in the past year, uh, a gentleman who had profound impact on the field of orthopedic surgery. And Dr. Matson, of course, had a very extended lengthy relationship with Dr. Rockwood over many decades. And I really just want to get uh, for the li listening audience, uh, Dr. Matson's uh, memories of uh, how that relationship started and the book, the prosthesis, et cetera. Uh, and uh, maybe uh, Rick, we could just ask you to start how, how you first met uh, Dr. Rockwood. Sure, Mark. It's uh, a pleasure to talk with you about Charlie Rockwood. Hmm. Um, so, the father of um, American shoulder surgery is, of course, Dr. Charles Neer, and he invented uh, the prosthesis that sort of spawned a lot of uh, today's activity. But um, he was very insistent that anybody that was going to use that prosthesis needed to come and spend time with him. Mm. Well, among those people included me and Bob Cofield and um, Russ Warren and Charlie Rockwood. And so I got to know Charlie through Charlie. Mm. Uh, and um, and we got to talking and uh, we sort of hit it off. And the next thing I knew, um, I got a call and I'm not gonna try to imitate Dr. Rockwood's <laughs> accent. Uh, Buzz Burkett can do that much better than I can. But um, he said, uh, I'm gonna put on a course in Acapulco. Would you and Ann like to come and join us? So that's a hard invitation for a university professor to uh, refuse. So. Um, we go down there and we spend a fair amount of time on the veranda, sipping drinks and talking about stuff. Mm. And he said, you know, I think we ought to do some research and see if we can perhaps design a little bit better shoulder prosthesis than what's available on the market. And it ought to have a couple elements. Um, for example, on the humeral side, we ought to be able to independently adjust the the characteristics of the ball and the characteristics of the stem. So maybe we can have some sort of modular prosthesis. And um, then I just, you know, the glenoid seems to be loosening up a little bit. Maybe we can design something a little bit better and maybe we can find a better material to make it out of. So 
as a result of that, uh, we have a lot of correspondence back and forth. And um, with a, a great engineer by the name of Jeff Andrela, you know, we started working on things. But a lot of the research he enabled us to do here at the University of Washington, for example, the concept of the mismatch between the diameter of curvature of the ball and the mm -hmm. socket, it was an important thing because if there was no mismatch, then there'd be a lot of edge loading with a little bit of translation. And if there was too much mismatch, then the von Mises stresses would get to be too much and the processes would fail. So we had a lot of fun with that. My colleague, John Seidels, and I got a chance to do some nice basic research there and um, came up with a peg glenoid that uh, served a lot of people for a long time. So that was, that was pretty enjoyable and um, really had a wonderful relationship with that team that included his clinical experience, which of course was vast and our little basic science laboratory up here on the 10th floor that you're familiar with. Yeah, well, I knew uh, Dr. Rockwood well enough to know he's a pretty hard driving uh, individual uh, and uh, has a very high energy level. Uh, and not that you're uh, any slouch in those two areas uh, either, but uh, what what was that uh, working relationship like? Was he badgering you? Was he, or were you leading him or how, how did that work out? Well, a lot of early morning morning phone calls, and he would always greet me the same way. He said, "How you doing, Turkey?" Uh, <laughs> and, and it was just that sort of thing. And he'd he'd call uh, early in the morning, late at night. Uh, just as soon as an idea got in his brain, he would be on the phone, and we'd be talking about it. And uh, he was high energy, but how can I say it? It was a soft kind of high energy. You know, it was it was driving, but it was never driving in sort of the unpleasant sense it was just driving with excitement rather than uh any any kind of pressure um so um the next call i got after we got working on the prosthesis and things were uh out in in use now he said you know i don't think that any of the textbooks that are out there are worth a yeah. Uh, yeah. I'll let you fill yes. in the word, but uh, he said, I think we can do better. Um, so I want you to be my partner as we put together a book and we're going to call it just the shoulder. Uh, and we're going to cover everything from congenital defects, embryology, tumors, trauma, arthroplasty, rotator cut. We're going to put the whole thing in a book. And uh, you're going to, I'm going to, my job, he says, is I'm going to be the person that drives all the other people to get their stuff in on time. And you're going to be the person that edits all. <laughs> uh, so um, I said, well, you know, that sounds good. And so uh, the next thing I knew, we had not one book, but these, these two volumes here in yes. 1990. Um, and so in the span of those 10 years, we had, helped work on the modular prosthesis. Um, and uh, the first edition of the textbook had come out and um, that was really an enjoyable thing. And um, we just recently uh, completed the sixth edition. So um, just still having a lot of fun. And it's great to um, do that in memory of Dr. Rockwood. And I had a chance to fly down there and present him with uh, leather-bound copy of the sixth edition before he passed away, and I was happy I got a chance to do that. That's great. That's a wonderful thing. Now, I I, I knew Dr. Rockwood well enough to know he was an incredible golfer, 
and I can't, and I mean enthusiastic, incredibly golf, incredible golf. And I can't imagine he didn't pressure you at some point to play golf with him. Did did that ever happen, uh, Rick? Never did. I uh, I knew that golf was a big part of your life, uh, his life. But uh, while he was out golfing, uh, I was out doing other things. I was trying to find a tennis court to beat the ball around us. So we didn't quite get out there. But uh, what I... I, if I can, I, I'd like to just sort of characterize him um, as what I call the um, the Abe Lincoln of orthopedics. Um, and I, the reason I say that is he was a very powerful and influential man, but he was also a common person. By that, I mean, he, he well, I don't think he grew up in a log cabin reading books by candlelight, but uh, he, he always put himself at the same level as everybody else. Hmm. And I remember one time at the Academy where Dr. Nearest said, you know, the, the statement irreparable rotator cuff refers to the surgeon and not to the patient. And uh, so Rockwood, who is, was fearless, uh, not many people would stand up to Dr. Near in the way he did it. So he was very clever. He got up on the podium and said, you know, I'm sure that Dr. Neer can repair any rotator cuff, but I'm here to tell you I can't. And there are many rotator cuff tears that I just cannot repair. And uh, sometimes I just go in there and clean things up and they do fine. But the idea was that he didn't want people to leave the Academy Hall believing that it was their job to repair every rotator cuff that came to them. Um, he also was like Lincoln was sort of a unionist because, you know, the big thing for uh, President Lincoln was to try to keep the nation together. And uh, there was a time, and you remember it well, when orthopedics was starting to split off into a hundred different micro societies. And um, I'm, I'm sure you were at this presidential address when he got all of his family there together, including his wife, Patsy, and his nine count them kids you know that he had eight consecutive sons followed by a daughter not many academy presidents can duplicate <laughs> that record um but he just said i here's my family and it's really important to me to keep the family together and i want to keep the orthopedic family together as much as we can in the american academy of orthopedic surgeons and as you know it's been sort of a struggle um just like as you're mastering with the journal, you know, to try to keep the journal being the journal of orthopedics, um, the, the go-to journal. And he wanted the Academy to be the, the go-to society. Um, he, uh, you know, a lot of this, but I mean, he was a, a, a great teacher and he always wanted to teach. He had a, um, the, the textbook that he wrote was uh, on care of the sick and injured was the first publication of the American Academy of Orthopedic Surgeons and, and really set the foundation for AOS being a, a major publisher of relevant material to orthopedics. And he continued that, but he was always teaching at a special uh, place in his heart for people from south of the border. Uh, he always was reaching out to include them. And he that's another similarity with Lincoln. I mean, he was he was an inclusive person. He never 
there was nobody that didn't belong as far as he's concerned. And, um, and he was funny. Um, yeah, apparently Abraham Lincoln, uh, who I didn't know as well as I know Dr. Rockwood, but, uh, um, apparently Lincoln used jokes a lot as a way of disarming people or making people feel comfortable. And, um, I remember the first, I was, um, a member at large, uh, when he was president, uh, of the Academy Board of Directors and to the first meeting, he came in with a double billed hat. It had one bill going this way and one bill going this way. And on the top, it said, I'm their leader. Which way did they go? Uh, and, and so that was that was him. And uh, he told jokes when we had him out here. Um, I'm, I bet you remember, but when he, we had him out here as a guest professorship, he was telling go, do, jokes that were absolutely hilarious, but um, not repeatable by me in this context. Uh, but it, he used humor very well to make people feel comfortable. So I I love that guy and I will never forget him. And he was very, very kind and, um, and generous. Um, and he was always welcoming to people to come and visit him. He cared a lot about his patients. He didn't give a hoot whether they were rich or poor. He, he was just interested in their, in his um, practice and his teaching and uh, in sharing what he knew with everybody else. Well, Rick, that's a really uh, appropriate uh, comparison between Lincoln and uh, Dr. Rockwood. And uh, thank you very much for sharing your uh, memories of a very great gentleman who had a wonderful influence on our specialty. And hopefully generations to come will remember that name. And because of what you've shared, we'll be able to have a glimpse of what he was like. So thanks for doing it, Rick. Greatly appreciate it. My great pleasure. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.